Hey everyone, I'm Dan Davis, Senior Pastor here at Hopefield Church, and I want to welcome you to our online worship experience this weekend, where once again, we're gathering as one church in multiple locations all throughout the Great Lakes Bay region and beyond. And if you're new to Hopefield and joining us here for the first time, we're glad that you have jumped in. It has been great meeting new friends like you during this season. To find out more about us as a church and to connect further, I encourage you to go to our welcome page at hopefell.org new. When you're there, you can fill out a virtual visitor's card as a great way to get in touch with us and to let us know you've stopped by. Well, today, Pastor Sam is going to begin a new series called Unlikely, Improbable Stars with Incredible Stories, and I can't wait for us to encounter God and to see what he has in store for us in the real life stories of men, women, boys and girls who are a lot more like us than we think. So with that in mind, let's begin our time of worship with a word of prayer. Let's pray together. And Heavenly Father, we are here to worship. That this is more than just going through the motions or checking off a box. But we are before the God who has created everything we see around us and the God who has given us his son, our Savior, Jesus, to know and worship you. And for that, we're forever grateful. So in this time, may you flood our hearts with joy, with wonder, with gratitude, with love that we may be the kind of worshipers that you long for. And may we meet with Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this in his powerful, living name. Amen. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion, you are my hiding place, mm -hmm. I believe you are the way, the truth, the light. Set on you, and you meet me here today. 
my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay alone when I am here with you. It's a new horizon, and I said on. Thank you uh, for time to uh, be at church, even though it's a little different still. It still doesn't feel quite right to just uh, be at church uh, in the comforts of our own home. There's something about when we get up and uh, come uh, with family or even by ourselves and see some friends at church. Um, Lord, this is the thing that uh, we look forward to. Uh, we hope that's coming soon where we can all be together and celebrate you. Something you do with uh, so special with your spirit when we're all together. In the meantime, um, God, would you just be enough? Would you meet and fill some of those uh, voids and those gaps where we really miss some uh, whatever normal was in our life? So, um, God, uh, we sing that song uh, that you are the truth and the way and the life. And so many of us believe that. And if we're watching today and we're struggling with something like that today, I pray that um, as scripture says, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So help help us in those spots where, um, God, uh, sometimes it's hard to just remember that you're there. Um, help us to be like King David, even when he said, uh, God, are you, can you hear me? Can you hear my prayers? Can you, are you there? How long are you going to wait to answer me? And But in the same breath, King David said, uh, but... I remember what you've done, and I, I know that you've been there in the past, and so I uh, hang on to that, and I trust in your unfailing love, and I, I will worship you, and I will sing to you because you've been good to me. So help us to be those kinds of people. I think you'd be really proud of that. So that, that we could make you proud uh, today, God, uh, we would be so glad, and I know you would be so honored in your name. Amen. Amen. Well. Thank you so much for logging in today, everybody. I want to tell you a little story here. 
Um, so my name's Billy. I'm the worship pastor here at Hopevale. And uh, my wife's best friend's daughter uh, just graduated valedictorian from high school uh, in the Metro Detroit area. It's pretty cool. Uh, and she read this quote as part of her speech, part of uh, her valedictorian speech that she just gave uh, last week. Uh, it made me think about a lot of things, but it put, put a lot into perspective about worship and life. But I think especially in this time of pandemic, uh, it was really uh, poignant. And um, it's written by Stephen King. It says this. We did not ask for this room or this music. We were invited in. Therefore, because the dark surrounds us, let us turn our faces toward the light. Let us endure hardship to be grateful for plenty. We have been given pain to be astounded by joy, and we have been given life to deny death. We did not ask for this room or this music. But because we're here, let us dance. What a beautiful quote. Reminds me of the modern day prophet Kevin Bacon at the end of Footloose, also when he said, let's dance. <laughs> okay, sorry, bad dad joke. I'll keep moving. Move along here, sir. <laughs> so uh, seize the day, right? Carpe diem, let's dance. Just, you know, no matter your circumstances, that's kind of what that's getting after. It makes Psalm 118.24 come alive in my heart a little bit more. Uh, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Maybe you've heard this a million times. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It didn't say, let us rejoice and be glad in it if everything's going great. It said, this today, no, mat no matter what's going on, no matter your circumstances, let's rejoice and be glad in it. And that's, that's what that quote made me think, just reminded me again of that scripture. And I thought, you know what? Here you are. You've logged in today. What the heck? Let's jump in both feet and just worship the Lord and uh, spend time in his presence and just enjoy the grand nature and the goodness of God together. Let's do that as Jessica leads us. Take us in, Mike. you are 
when this life is overwhelming and I feel like giving up I will cling to all your promised it'll always be enough when the world around me It's hard to understand I will run to you My shelter I'm safe inside your hands Oh you
Well, hey, Hope Vale, what an incredible time of worship we've already had today. I love that last song. God, I will trust in you alone. God, even when I'm afraid, I know that you are with me. What an incredible song to sing, especially in a time like this that we're going through. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Hopevale, and I just want to say thank you so much for logging into worship with us today. We are going to start a new series for the month of August called Unlikely, and this series is all about these improbable stars and the incredible stories that they lived. And here's the most important thing about all of this that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks, and these people, these people that we're going to address, they literally are just like you and just like me. And if God can use them to do these incredible things, then guess what? God can use you and God can use me as well. How do I know that? Well, I know that because I was probably one of the most unlikely kids to have ever grown up to be a pastor. And yet here I am. Let me tell you a little bit about it, okay? Um, I was compared a lot as a kid to Dennis the Menace. Now, if you don't know that reference, you can just Google that at home and you can figure out who that is. Um, and I think it will begin to make a lot more sense to you as I keep telling these stories. And i sure I look cute in this picture right here, but don't let the rapper fool you. Don't let the rapper fool you at all. You see, there was this time in first grade where I decided to cut off a braid of a little girl that was sitting in front of me because she was annoying me with it and keeping me from taking a nap. She just kept waving her head back and forth like this. And so I did what I thought any other first grader would do. And I grabbed my scissors out of my pencil box and I clipped it straight off and I put my trophy of her braid in my pencil box and slammed my lid of my desk shut and proceeded to take my nap. Yeah, I got in massive trouble for that one. Uh, there was also a time in first grade where I got caught cheating on my spelling test by hiding my spelling book. It was only like this big. Hiding my spelling book between my legs during the test and just kind of looking down like this and writing down my answers. And I would have gotten away with it too, except um, after the test was over, I decided to grab my spelling book, open my desk back up, and throw it back in right in front of my teacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I almost got my privilege of playing Uncle Sam in the first grade play taken away because of that. But as you can see right here from this picture, I didn't because I smooth-talked my, uh, smooth my way out of that one. Uh, there was also this other time in first grade where I got in trouble for throwing gravel rocks on the playground at other kids and teachers. Uh, are you noticing a trend here? I was a little terror as a first grader. And there were many, many, many more stories, like the time I had a squirt gun fight in my sixth grade class with a couple of my um, friends in my classroom after all the other kids left and the teacher left, and then the teacher walked back in and caught us. Yeah, we all got in trouble for that one, too. Um, and here's the deal. You know how, how I was as a child, it actually made the adults in my life question what I would ever amount to as an adult. And you know how like in yearbooks and for the, your senior year, how they have these like little pictures and underneath it, it says most likely to. Um, I think mine, if that would have been a thing, uh, my picture wouldn't have said most likely to. It probably would have said most unlikely to and then, you know, become a pastor or whatever. But luckily enough, my senior yearbook, it was just pictures of us. 
to do that. In fact, the first time my wife visited my home in California to meet my parents and some of the, you know, the people that I grew up around when, she was, when we were still dating, um, the adults who knew me as a kid, they came up to her and they, I guess they thought it would be funny or fun to tell her things like, well, we weren't sure about him. We weren't sure who he was going to grow up to be. We were a little worried about little Sammy. And she just looked at me like, what did you do as a kid? And I'm like, I'll tell you later. <laughs> You know, and a lot of people really don't know this about me, uh, but for, for full disclosure here, the way those adults viewed me as a kid and how I was as a kid, it really made me insecure as I grew up as a middle schooler, high schooler, young adult. And it made me even question myself if I had what it took to be the adult that I thought God wanted me to be. So here's what I think. I think that every single one of us struggles with that kind of thing at one time or another. I think we all go through seasons of insecurity about who we are um, or what we know or if we have what it takes. Some of us, if we're just brutally honest here this morning or today, would, would um, struggle with what's called imposter syndrome. Now maybe you know, a lot of you might know what that is, but maybe for the, some of you who are thinking, I don't know what imposter syndrome is, let me help it define that for you, okay? This is the way imposter syndrome is defined. Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which one doubts one's accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. It's that feeling you get when you walk into an environment and you think, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing here, but what if somebody finds out I don't really know? And what if they think I'm a fraud and figure out who I really am? And that can happen in many different environments. That can happen in work environments. That can happen in relational environments between spouses. That can happen as a parent. I know as a parent for me, I'm like, what if people find out, what if my kids find out I don't really know as much about being a parent as I'm supposed to, you know, or, you know, friendships, all of those kind of things. So I found this infographic I thought would be really um, interesting to point out and to help us understand this whole thing of imposter syndrome better. So this is kind of how it works. This little green circle here is, is what I know. And when we walk into environments, a lot of people who struggle with imposter syndrome, they think this big black circle is what they should know about any given subject, about their work, about being a parent, whatever. But this green circle represents what they know internally that they actually know. And then also, this is what, you know, I think other people know and what they should know. And so I feel like a fraud because I don't know everything. But if we're really going to be honest about how it really works in reality, this is what reality is. The green is still what I know, but all these other colors are what other people know. And it's not just about, you know, you know, I, don't, I don't know what I need to know. It's like everybody doesn't know what they need to know. And everybody kind of walks into the situation knowing something different. But when we all add everything we know together, it makes this bigger picture and everybody can work together. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about reality. But a lot of us, if we're just honest, we kind of struggle through this imposter syndrome thing. I think a lot of us go through the insecurity of this. And we wonder to ourselves, do I have what it takes to actually do this? Or maybe we've even gone so far as to discount ourselves because we believe that we don't have what it takes and that God may not be able to use us. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, a physical one or a digital one, I want to invite you to grab it and I want you to find the Old Testament book of Exodus. And if you just want to follow along on the screen with me, that's okay too. We're going to take a look at a guy in the Bible who felt the exact same way. 
he felt like a fraud. He felt like maybe I don't have what it takes to be who God wants me to be. We're going to take a look also at what helped him realize that even he could live out this incredible story that he was being invited into. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 4 today, and we're going to take a look into the life of a man named Moses. Now, let me set the stage for us about who Moses is, right? The Israelites are slaves in Egypt. I think a lot of us have probably heard this story before. Moses is an Israelite, but he was hidden as a baby for fear that he would be killed. And so he was found and he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter until he was old enough to discover who he really was. He then, after knowing this, he then defended a fellow Israelite by killing an Egyptian. And then a bunch of people saw him and pointed it out and they said, oh, you're going to kill us too. And he, he got really scared about that. And so he ended up leaving Egypt, he, he wandered out into this place called Midian, and he became a shepherd, and he got married during that time. One day, as he's um, tending his flock, he's out by this mountainside, and he discovers this bush that seems to be burning, and yet the bush is not being consumed. It's not actually burning up. And so he goes over, and he's like, i got to see what this is. And, and during this time that he walks over there, he has an encounter with God in this burning bush. God tells Moses through this encounter that he wants him, Moses, to go back to Egypt and to be his mouthpiece to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelite slaves go. Moses has a hard time with this request. And in fact, three different times, Moses pushes back to God with questions. The first question is, well, what if they say, who am I? Like, I, how, do I, how do I tell them that? Or, or the second question, well, who are you? What if they ask me who you are? How can I tell them that? And then the third question is, well, what if they don't believe me? And each time Moses pushes back with a question, makes an excuse, God answers it. He gives them everything he needs. The very last one, he says, what if they don't believe me? God says, well, here's some miracles. Here's some signs to show them that they'll, they'll believe you. And then we come to Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. And let's take a peek into this story. Verse 10 says this, Moses says back to the Lord after this, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses has, has some sort of um, limitation, a physical limitation with his speech, whether he was born that way or maybe he developed it later on, we're not told, but he says, I, I, I can't speak well, God. I have some kind of limitation that way. Look what God says, verse 11. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? What he's saying to Moses is this. He's saying, Moses, you got to remember who you're talking to. I made you. I know all about you. I know the limitations that you have. And I'm still saying I want you to do this. Look at verse 12. He says, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. This verse, verse 12, is so important. I want you just in your minds to pin this verse because we're going to come back to it later. Look at verse 13. But Moses says, said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Now, at this point in time, God gets kind of furious with Moses. Look at him. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses because he keeps making these excuses back to him. And so he says to Moses, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. He's saying, look, I've given you another answer to this. Verse 15, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Verse 16, 
He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Look at verse 17. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. When they ask you, well, you know, how do I know this is true? Moses tells God, he has this moment with God where he's got back and forth, and he tells God, God, I can't. I have this problem, you see. I have this speech problem, this limitation. So how can I be the one who speaks for you? I can't even speak for myself. How can I speak for you? See, Moses doesn't believe that he has what it takes to be who God wants him to be. He believes that he has to be somebody else who doesn't have his limitations in order for this to happen. But I love how God chooses to use Moses. He says, Moses, Moses, who is the one who made human beings' mouths and gave them speech? It was me. I know all about you, Moses. I know the limitations that you have, and I want to use you anyway. God chose to use Moses even in spite of his limitations to be exactly who he wants him to be and to do exactly what he wants him to do. And I started thinking about this. I wonder how many times we've done this to God. Personally, I started thinking about myself. I wonder how many times I've done this to God. I wonder how many times I've made an excuse as to why I can't do what God is calling me to do because of some kind of limitation, whether it's an actual one or a perceived one. But I'm like, I'm not sure I'm the right person for this, God. I wonder how many times I've done that. You know, one of the most amazing things about all of this is that God uses Moses in spite of the fact that he has this speech limitation that made him insecure about being a leader. One of the main things that we learn from this story and from Moses' life at this point is that God can use you in spite of whatever physical, mental, or even relational limitation you might have. I want to say that again because I think that's so powerful to think about. God can use you in spite of whatever physical, whatever mental, or even relational limitation you might have. You know, another big thing that I'm learning from this story, and I've been trying to tell myself over and over again as a way of applying this to myself, I've been trying to think about this phrase, and that phrase is this, don't excuse what God could use. Don't excuse what God could use. You know, I think what happens sometimes is we get this nudge from God that he wants us to do this or to do that or he's asking us to do something. And instead of jumping right on it and going right after it and say, sure, no problem, I think for some of us and maybe even a lot of us, I think we are like, kind of like Moses. We can begin to make excuses as to why we can't possibly do it or, or why we're not the right person for the job. You know, maybe we're finding 10 reasons for why this would never work instead of the one reason that it will work. Or maybe we find insecurities inside of ourselves that tell us we don't have what it takes to make it happen. Or maybe we take a look at what God seems to be nudging us or calling us or asking us to do. And instead of seeing ourselves accomplish it and seeing that vision for our lives, we can only see how our limitations are going to get in the way. But here's the huge takeaway from this story. God never asked Moses to do this alone or with his own strength. Or under his own power. Remember what he said in verse 12? He said, now go, I will help you speak. And I will teach you what to say. What he's saying to Moses, he's saying, listen, Moses, here's the deal. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be 
with you. See, the reason that Moses shouldn't have uh, made an excuse as to what God could use is because God was with Moses. And the reason that we should not excuse what God can use is because God is with you and he is with me. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you, within you. God is literally with you. And so then the question isn't, do I have what it takes? The question is, do I really believe that God is with me? Because if God is with you, then he can use you in spite of whatever physical, whatever mental, or whatever relational limitation you may have. Because God is not limited by our limitations. Don't excuse what God could use. You know, every time I think about this concept, I think about this guy named Tim Shaw. Tim is a, a brother of one of our own Hope Veilers, Steve Shaw. And I got to know Steve through our, our youth ministry for several years. Um, and actually, Tim was here a few years back to share his story. Tim was a, a pro football player for the Tennessee Titans. And a few years into his career, he, um, he developed ALS. And I know one of the things that Tim would say often is that I want, I'm not going to let three letters define me, ALS. He says, I'm going to let God define me. So he allowed God to define him. And, and Tim didn't make an excuse as for what God could use. In fact, he's allowing God to use him in spite of having ALS to reach thousands and thousands of people for him. Don't excuse what God could use. You know, what if we stopped making excuses for why we can't do what God's nudging us and calling us to do. I mean, just imagine with me for a moment here. Just go with, go with me here for a moment. What could God do through you and through me if we would just stop excusing what God could be using? I mean, imagine who we could reach. Imagine how this could change our communities if we would just stop excusing what God could be using. I think this is what God was trying to get Moses to see. He was saying, to Moses, saying, Moses, I just want you to, to capture this vision. Imagine the Israelite slaves going free from Egypt. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what could happen here if you just stop excusing what I could be using here? See, God wants to use you and me in the same way. He wants to use us in spite of our limitations, whatever they may be. So let's stop excusing what God could be using. Let's pray together. God, I know a lot of times um, when we feel nudges from you to do something, maybe the first thing that pops into our head is, who, me? Or I can't do that because of this or because of that. Or, or maybe we think about the limitations that we have. But God, you're not limited by our limitations. And God, you have said that you will be with us. So God, I just can't stop thinking about what it would be like if I stopped making those excuses and just say, God, I'm going to go with whatever you want because you're with me and you can accomplish great things. God, may we um, learn from this encounter that you had with Moses. that You want to use us in spite of the things that we think you can't use us for. And God, may you do great things through the people of Hopevale Church and anyone who is watching this, no matter what limitations they may think or actually have, because you're not limited by those. And God, may you do great things 
through us to help point people to your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. carry but I am not strong I may be right but I might be wrong and I am here but I don't belong there's got to be someone else and I am smart but I am not wise oh the horrors I've seen with these eyes these lips have spoken many lies There's got to be someone else Oh Lord I cannot see what you see Oh Lord Why would you pick me? Besides, I don't know where to go There's got to be someone else And I am brave, but I got no nerve And I'd make the grade if I got the curve And I know that you want me to serve But there's got to be someone else
Why, Lord? Why did you choose me? I love that song from Amy because it so relates to how it speaks to our own doubts and insecurities. But even more than that, I'm also glad how we're reminded that Jesus specializes in using unlikely people like you and me. Well, a few reminders before we close. First of all, once again, I wanna say a big thank you to all of you who are continuing to give to the Lord through the ministry of Hopeville Church that despite this season of such great uncertainty, so many of you have remained incredibly faithful and generous in your giving, which in turn not only honors our God, but also furthers our mission of spreading the hope of Jesus near and far. Again, if you feel led to give, you can do so through our website, hopebell.org slash give, through our mobile app, and with a text. Just text the word HOPEL to 77977. You can also mail in your offering to our Saginaw Ministry Center or drop it off there directly. Looking ahead, I want you to mark your calendars for a couple of very special events coming up later this month. First on Wednesday night, August 26th, out at the Bay City State Park, we will be having an outdoor baptism service for everyone wishing to follow Jesus in obedience in baptism and to publicly declare their faith in him. You might remember that we had a baptism service scheduled back in April that we unfortunately had to postpone. So this is our new plan and many who were scheduled before are excited about this opportunity. But guess what? We're not just limiting this service to them. And so if you're interested in being baptized as a believer in Jesus, or you just want to find out more, go to our baptism landing page at hopefell.org baptism. And then on Saturday, August 29th, beginning at 7 p.m., we're hosting an all-church outdoor worship event at our Saginaw campus led by Pastor Billy and both our Saginaw and Bay City worship team. We did something similar back in June to kick off the summer. It turned out great, and so we wanted to wrap up the summer the same way, where we can gather responsibly and worship joyfully. It's gonna be great. So that's what's coming up, but until next time, we want you to stay hopeful in Jesus this week. And remember that no matter your limitations and despite all your hesitations, you are exactly the kind of person that God can use to accomplish his purposes when you fully trust in him. God bless you.